Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, it's official now, Jim, correct? Uh, Justin Jefferson won't play tonight for the Vikings? Uh, that's what I'm hearing, yes. Uh, I think that was expected. And the question you know, was, were they going to let him work out before the game and get a feel for it? But it sounds like he's out. Uh, which is probably the right decision. You should probably be able to beat the Bears without him. And then this gives him another two weeks of rest and rehab to make sure he's 100% for the stretch drive. Yeah, they did win the first five uh, that they played without him in the lineup. It's not something I want to plan around the season necessarily, but it would seem to be the perfect time to be extra cautious right here with that bye week coming up. Yeah, and, you know, we, we tend, as on, on the outside, we tend to look at it as, a, boy, would it help him this week and you get by without him this week and all that. The reality is, if, if they're paying any attention to the medical people, the medical people are just telling them, no, don't play him, period. Yeah. You know, we're, they're not looking at the schedule. They're not trying to figure odds. They're just like, if you play him, he's probably going to get hurt. And if he gets hurt, then season, then you never know if you have any, a real chance. You know, they they need him for the stretch. They hope they need him for the playoffs. They've won without him. And they should be able to beat the Bears without him, although it's a weird league. You never really know. Um, but you also, but what they're most important, after we talk about all those other things, is if they think there's any chance of him re-injuring that hamstring tonight, then they just can't play him, period. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Justin Fields was out for some time. He was injured against the Vikings, dislocated his thumb, came back, I think, two weeks. This will be his third week back. Uh, but the Bears are still in kind of evaluation mode on Fields, aren't they? I think the Bears are in evaluation mode on their general manager, their coach, yeah. their quarterback, their philosophy, their drafting department, what to do with all those high picks next year. Really, what they have to do here, over, you know, they're not going anywhere. What they really need to do here over the next month and a half, two months, whatever it is, is figure out, are we going to use those high draft picks to build around Justin Fields, or are we going to use those high draft picks to replace Justin Fields? And that's a big, that's a, a massive decision to make. Uh, Fields, he's not been good enough to date, period. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a scary guy to give up on because there's tremendous athletic ability. He can throw the ball downfield. Um, he plays with some guts. I don't think he's accurate enough for him to be an NFL, a good, a really good NFL quarterback to build around. But every time you say that, he pops up and has like a brilliant game every once in a while. So they also need to evaluate whether he's being coached properly because we always, you know, we always put it all on the quarterback's shoulder. Oh, he's good enough or he's not good enough. Well, sometimes the quarterback might be good enough, but he might not have not enough, not have enough help. Yeah. The age-old conversation when you're talking about NFL coaches, offensive uh, reared head coach or defensive. The Vikings have had both, you know, with Mike Zimmer and now uh, Kevin O'Connell. Which, if you were building a team, which would you go for? Uh, it, and this is why I avoid trying to talk, say you should hire a tight, you know. Mm. Because, like, Mike Tomlin is probably yep. is one of the best coaches in the league, defensive guy. Yep. Uh, Bill Belichick, one of the best coaches of all time, defensive guy, but without a good quarterback, without a great quarterback, his record is terrible. Mm. Um, you know, Sean McVay, great offensive coach. He had the Super Bowl year. He's been to two Super Bowls, won one, um, but he also has Aaron Donald anchoring the defense. You know, but Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the game, offensive guy. I mean, so I, I think the most important thing is to hire somebody who can be a really good head coach, and to be a really good head coach, you're going to find the right compliments to what you do. Like Brian Billick was known as an offensive genius when he was with the Vikings. He goes to the Ravens, and they win without any offense. Mm. They win with defense and special teams, you know? And so did Brian Billick fail as an offensive coach with the Ravens, or did he, was he a great head coach because he made up for 
uh, a bet, lack of a good offense and a lack of a dominant quarterback by finding other ways to win. You know, so I, I think you know. Bud Grant said this to me once. Uh, you need a guy. You need somebody who knows what it's all supposed to look like and how it's all supposed to work. And then if you have that guy, he's going to fill in comp- with complementary people and people who kind of cover up his weaknesses. So I just think you got to hire a good coach and not care which side of the ball he comes from. The only thing that worries me a little bit is there's so much to know as a quarterback. And if you're changing offensive coordinators because you have a successful program, and I look down at C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. So if Houston wins and Stroud has the best rookie quarterback season maybe of all time, he's on that pace now, they might get their offensive coordinator plucked. And then it's kind of it's not start from ground zero, but it's kind of start over more there than if the head coach was offensive-minded, wouldn't it? Uh, that that is one way to look at it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go that way. But mm-hmm. again, if you if you ignore, if you say I want an offensive head coach, which you, which does make some sense in the modern day and age, mm-hmm. then you would have missed an opportunity to hire Bill Belichick or or Mike Tomlin or Jim Harbaugh. You know, I mean, I just think you got to find a good head coach and figure it out from there. And yeah. you know, coaching turnover, frankly, is always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I, I mean, again, I. I think if you're looking for a tiebreaker, if you have a really good defensive coordinator, a really good offensive coordinator trying to fire, figure out which to hire, maybe a lean offense. Mm. But, man, don't pass up a great coach uh, because he comes from the other side of the ball. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Frank Reich, speaking of firings, mm-hmm. 11 games Frank Reich is gone. He's not a, a, a problem guy. I mean, Urban Meyer was such a jerk they had to get rid of him. That's not Frank Reich. It seems like a quick uh, flip on, on right. I know they're one in 10, but, uh, I thought he was a good coach and now he get fired back to back years. He is a good coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Bryce young, and this is, this is how this league works, right? Mm-hmm. They draft Bryce young. He doesn't look like he's good enough. And I, obviously they're blaming Frank Reich for it, mm-hmm. but I think in conjunction with blaming Frank Reich for this, they're also like, okay, we better figure out if Bryce young can play better under somebody else, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, once again, you invest all that in your high draft, your your, your quarterback. You have more high draft picks coming because you're so bad. You got to figure out: is Bryce Young good enough to build around, or do we need to just start all over with the new quarterback next year? And so, I think they want to see if another coach can get Bryce Young going in the right direction. And owners don't like to look bad. And right now, Carolina looked kind of bad because they took, they looked they took Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud went second. Uh, so yeah. he's they're definitely scapegoating Reich here. He should be fine. I would think he would land on his feet somewhere, not necessarily as a head coach, but but that's two firings in two years. I heard somewhere uh, that it was the first time that's happened since the merger, so it's been a long time. So that the it's same amazing. guy got fired back-to-back. Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to pull off, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, again, he didn't draft – well, he might have had some say in maybe – what we really don't know, did he pound on the table and say, I want Bryce Young, and then sure. he gets him and does nothing with him, which would tick off the owner and, may, and would be uh, grounds for firing the way Bryce Young's playing, the way C.J. Stroud is playing. Uh, some hot stove league news going on. Looks like Kenta Maeda has a deal with the Tigers. Yeah, um, this makes sense. Uh, the, the Twins couldn't guarantee him a spot in their rotation. Uh, he wants to be a starting pitcher. Detroit's desperate for starting pitchers. Uh, they have some young talent with the team, and Maeda could end up being a, a good starter as they get better. He could end up being a utility pitcher. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he's staying in the division. I think mean, he's a cool guy. It's, it's, it can be very hard to get to know somebody who doesn't speak. You know, and he speaks English 
you know, to a certain degree, but he used an interpreter just to make sure he'd understand questions. And, man, he was a great guy to be around, just a, a wonderful guy. So I, I'm, I hope he does well. It's, I'm kind of glad he's staying in the division so we could see him once in a while. Uh, just it didn't look like there was going to be there was going to be enough of a sure thing role for him here. Yeah, two for twenty four. AP is reporting on him, and kind of Sonny Gray. It looks like he might have a job as well with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen all along. Mm-hmm. That just wouldn't surprise me at all. Cardinals desperately need starting pitching. They have money to spend. It's driving distance from Sonny's home. It just it all made so much sense. Uh, Timberwolves tonight uh, as they take uh, – who do the Timberwolves play tonight? Uh, they're in action at home. I know it's their last uh, in-season tournament game uh, tonight, and the Timberwolves continue to play well, 12-4. and four. They, have, uh, they have had some good fortune, though, in guys skipping, playing against them like Embiid and, and Zion Williamson. They have, uh, but overall the numbers are just pretty impressive. You know, if you look at uh, defensive rating, they're good all over the floor defensively. They're good at the rim. They're good – Three point. They have obvious talent, uh, and they've missed, you know, they've missed Jaden McDaniel a few games here and there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think they've played enough games that we have a, a significant sample size. To say this is a good team, mm. and now they've had a couple of breaks in there. But even if they were one or two games worse than this, if like Embiid had played and been fantastic. I think we'd still have a pretty good body of, of work here. Yeah. Have not lost consecutive games. Um, you know, I thought their offense looked really clunky the first three games of the season, and since then they've beaten. And hey, they played Denver when Denver was full strength. They yeah. played Boston when Boston was full strength, um, and they won back to back in Golden State. Golden State isn't great this year, but that was those were tough games. Uh, I, I just I think this is a good team. Yeah, I think so too. It's tomorrow night. I think I said tonight. Tomorrow yeah. night they host Oklahoma tomorrow City night, uh, against Oklahoma City. Yep. yep, yep. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports at Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.